Welcome to Young and Adulting, a podcast of the Young Adults community at Christ Fellowship Church. Our hope is to create a safe place for authentic conversation around the ins and outs of life as we all try to navigate following Jesus in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the conversation. Welcome to the Young and Adulting Podcast of Christ Fellowship. We're so glad you guys are joining us. My name's Natalie and I'm here with my friend Ethan. What's and up, everybody? We have a special guest for you guys today. Yes, absolutely. She's not just a guest, she's family. It's Pastor Irene Rollins and Ooh. her husband, Pastor Jimmy, as well, is going to record a podcast with us. And so we're so excited that you're here with us. Pastor Irene and her husband were senior pastors for over 10 years and now you have have a marriage ministry where you're helping marriages all around the country called Two Equals One. And so we're so excited you're here with us. Can you just share with our young adults a little bit about who you are? Where, where do you guys live? You have some kids? Sure. sure. So we are based out of Maryland. I love Maryland. We get all four seasons. Oh, yeah. um, I've been married 22 years to my amazing, amazing. husband, uh, awesome. Jimmy Rollins, and uh, three amazing kids. Kayla's 20. She's a girl. Uh, Jaden's a boy and uh, he is 18. They're both going to Southeastern in the fall. And um, my son's going to be playing soccer, so we'll be at games. There we go. Yeah. And um, my 16 year old Maya um, is my baby. And then we have two other babies at home bulldog babies. I love, <laughs> I am like obsessed with English bulldogs. They're your favorite children. Yes. Because okay. I can put them in a crate and close it <laughs> when I want to take a nap or, you know, not back. be disturbed. No. They don't talk back. <laughs> but they're cute, ugly, and therapeutic. Nice. I love them. Nothing so, better. That's yeah. amazing. Diesel and Bentley. <laughs> Those are some strong names. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just wanted to dive in today. Mm -hmm. We know that you're really passionate about emotional and mental health and um, know that our audience and even us also have so much to learn in this area. So just love to hear from you a little bit about your story. Like, where did you stumble upon this and become passionate about this? Yeah, sure. So it kind of all started with a midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. So I was in my mid-30s, pastoring a church, leading people, um, and three kids, white picket fence, thought I had to have it all together and Mm -hmm. thought I had it all together. But really, I was beginning to spiral um, in my emotional world and my mental health. So like anxiety, depression, that was kind of catching up with me at that time in my life and manifesting in, um, again, anxiety. And I isolated myself and um, Mm -hmm. I just wasn't happy doing the things that I originally was happy doing, like Mm -hmm. ministry and going to soccer games and things that I originally had loved and signed up for in life. And I wasn't enjoying them anymore. And I did not realize that I was not prepared emotionally to mm. handle the stresses of being a senior leader of a church mm. that was growing and thriving like I-5 yeah. was. Uh, along with parenting and marriage, uh, I didn't have the skills. And so I began to implode. And what it looked like for me was uh, I didn't drink all through my 20s because I, I got saved at early, probably 19 to 21, stopped drinking, right? But I began to medicate with alcohol in Mm. my 30s when I reintroduced it back into my life. Um, On vacation, let my hair down, totally unaware that I had PTSD from trauma that had happened to me in my childhood that was beginning to show up in my 30s. So I was starting to get flashbacks and um, couldn't sleep. Mm. And uh, so the alcohol just gave me 
took away the pain, kind of made it Hmm. temporarily numbed out the pain and the rest of the world. So I liked it a little bit too much. Hmm. And so I'm a leader in a church, so I couldn't do it in public. So Hmm. I secretly did it at home. And so that one glass of wine led to two bottles and (laughs) that wasn't, didn't feel like enough. So over a six year period of time, my dependency Mm. increased and I literally fell into the disease of alcoholism and hit rock bottom, needed to go to rehab. Um, My husband was going to leave me. Uh, He's like, Mm. I can't do this anymore. You're choosing alcohol over me and the kids. And uh, we were at a crisis point and... Thank God for friends. Thank God for overseers and pastors. You know, every pastor needs a pastor. (laughs) And our pastors, you know, intervened, put us on sabbatical, and we had to do marriage counseling, all that kind of stuff. No preaching, no teaching, and uh, we got healthy, and I went to rehab in that period of time, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because when I got to rehab, I went to um, a treatment center that specializes in addiction through the lenses of trauma. Wow. So they like the <laughs> symptom of alcoholism right. was just it was just a symptom of the root issue, which was my PTSD. So Man. and codependency. I had no clue how codependency mm-hmm. is the root of all addiction and dysfunction hmm. in all of our lives, codependency. Like, wow. we all come from dysfunctional families. And <laughs> if, so the, why treatment was so beautiful for me was that I was able to identify that I had an ab- abusive situation in my childhood, mm-hmm. how it impacted me, because the body keeps score, it does not forget. Mm-hmm. So in my mid-30s, it was just all coming up because mm-hmm. my brain was like, it's time to deal. Wow. That was the Lord allowing my body to say, it's time to deal right. with the mess that happened to you so in your childhood. That's so interesting. And then the codependency piece was the dysfunction that led the family of origin stuff that led to Jimmy and I bumping heads and um, all the time and being unhappy in our relationship. And actually codependency leads to addiction as well. Mm. And I have a question for mm-hmm. you. you. What was so interesting to me is you... You talked about your addiction, but before you talked about your addiction, you talked about some almost uh, warning signs. You mm-hmm. said that I, I used to enjoy some things that I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. I used to enjoy going to my son's soccer games, and I didn't really want to do that anymore. And you wrapped it in this thing that isn't just addiction. I think sometimes in the church we can just talk about you need to stop your addiction, yeah. but there's something more. Talk more about that. It, mm-hmm. It's more than an addiction that you went through. There was something else happening. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I had such a lack of awareness of my emotional world. Mm. I didn't know that emotional intelligence existed. Hmm. You know, I later became certified as an emotional intelligence coach because wow. <laughs> when I was in my twenties, I had no clue. We had you know, that you are allowed to talk about your emotions. I didn't know how to label them. (laughs) And I didn't, because I grew up with the no talk rule. Mm. Children are seen, not heard. Mm. I didn't know that I could say I was angry. I thought I would get in trouble for Mm. saying I was angry because that was being rude to an adult. Mm. Or um, in my relationship with my husband, he could be brutally honest and open about everything he was thinking and feeling. I didn't know how to do that. So this lack of awareness led to just a stuffing 
Just right. stuff your emotions, pretend you don't feel. Mm. And then when you add the numbing agent mm. of, you know, you can pick your poison. Like it, for me, it was alcohol. Some people it's working, workaholism. Some people wow. it's recreation addiction. Like you can't get off the golf course and your family's like, where are you at? Like, cause you're, yeah. <laughs> you're excessively like into whatever that thing is. It could be gaming. How about your phone? Yeah. And just scrolling like that thumb thing. I like, like it literally drives me crazy. And people don't realize that when you do that out of moderation, Mm. anything out of moderation, whether it's shopping, Mm. um, love addict, like the people who are jumping from relationship to relationship, you're not happy. You don't feel self-esteem unless you're in a relationship. Wow. Um, those types of things and symptoms are signs that your emotional world is kind of unhealthy. And so um, I think that for me, it's, I I had no clue that I was allowed to process my emotions and release them. And so couldn't deal with stress. That's one aspect of emotional intelligence. I do want to encourage people though, like your emotional intelligence, you can grow it at any point in your life. That's great. I love that. Um, but your IQ, you're only as smart as you're going to be by the time you're a certain age. Like, you're not going to get any smarter. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can go get degrees and what have you. But your emotional intelligence, you can grow that throughout the course of your lifetime. Mm-hmm. And um, that involves, like, your self-perception. How do I view myself? You know, mm-hmm. like, do I know who I am? Yeah. Like, and I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my favorite color was. I didn't know how to identify with myself. So I resented everyone who did. Mm. And that included my husband. Mm. I villainized him for it. Like, because he was so good at understanding himself and knowing how to express himself and um, self-expression and how you cope with stress. How flexible are you with life? How flexible are you um, with... uh, Optimism yeah. is a part of emotional intelligence. Mm. Are you Debbie Downer mm. all the time? Like, you know those people. <laughs> you know, we don't have to mention names yep. <laughs> here. But it's like just negativity all the time. And it actually cycles into mm. like even shame. Like wow. it can actually impact your mental health when those things are out of moderation. So in the world of emotional intelligence, we just begin to develop soft skills Mm. that um, help us identify our emotions and be able to manage them and express them. And that goes also for others. So my emotional IQ, it goes up when I'm I'm able to read what's going on in someone else and adjust how I react or respond based off of um, how I'm reading them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's yeah. a soft yeah. skills that we can that. all develop. So That's great. you mentioned in that, the idea of kind of a boundaries mm-hmm. of, you know, being at the golf course, maybe one hour on the week, but being at it every day away from your family. What are some practical things for our community that we're looking at our lives and like, man, how do I have boundaries with my social media or, mm. or boundaries in my relationships? Yes. So I believe that one of the aspects of codependency. So I want you to kind of picture what codependency is. Codependency is difficulty uh, expressing appropriate levels of Mm. self-esteem. So you're either uh, no self-esteem, non-existent, 
So what does that look like? Young ladies who are promiscuous, looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah. Um, uh, I have to be good at something in order to feel good about myself. Mm. Um, mm. Other esteem. So how you feel about me is how I feel about myself. So if you're mad at me, I feel low and mm. down and sad and depressed. But if you like me and I'm pleasing you, then I feel good about myself. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or the opposite extreme in codependency is the person who thinks they're superior, they're better mm. than. You wow. can, you, nobody can tell them about themselves. Yeah. They can't have accountability. Wow. You know, that friend or that spouse that um, just, they always have to one-up you. Like, better than, superior, I'm mm. better than people. Um, th those are the extremes. And so when you ha are codependent, you have difficulty setting boundaries mm. because mm -hmm. you're not a acknowledging your true self. So Irene didn't honor, I didn't honor myself growing up right. because I did, had no self-esteem. So people abused me physically and mm -hmm. verbally. I let whatever people said to me come into my heart, wow. into my brain, and it was my belief about myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. If you called me stupid, ugly, whatever, that's what I believed. I had no boundaries internally. Wow. But boundaries are external as well. So that means um, where I was boundaryless externally was, again, physical abuse. So, mm -hmm. like, I allowed people to do things to me that um, they shouldn't have <laughs> because I had, I didn't know how to say, no, do not touch me. No, you cannot talk to me that way. Right. Um, let's see, boundaries can be, again, like how you're um, utilizing your time, your money, your treasure, your talent. You know mm, what I mean? Like, good. we want you to serve at church. Like, I know that's the culture here at Christ Fellowship, but we don't expect you to abandon your family right. and, um, and deny yourself and your yeah. own self-care while you're serving. It's like the extremes. Does that make sense? Right, yes. So boundaries involve a lot of ex yeah. being able to be aware of the extremes. You gave a lot of, uh, I mean, really just warning signs, right? It's mm. that those boundaries or the self-esteem. I think the question I would want to know is for somebody who's maybe struggled with these type of things in the past, it can feel like I can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. So what, what is that first step for somebody who's listening and they're going, oh, she, she said low self-esteem. Hi, that's me. Or yeah. I'm that person who I, I have that high self-esteem. I'm going to be the one upper. I know that, but I don't know what to do now. What do I need to do right that's, now? That's a good, good question. Number one, you literally cannot do it alone. Mm. It is impossible. <laughs> that's the first, you know, just truth. Like you absolutely cannot do life alone. Okay. We weren't meant to. So the idea of being in a small group is critical. We grow in, um, we learn in rows, hmm. but we, at church, right? We learn in classrooms, but we grow in circles. It's so good. Say it again. Say so, it again for those in the back. <laughs> we learn in rows, but we grow in circles. Come on. That's why we do small groups yeah. every Thursday for young adults. You have to be part of a small group, young adult small group. I wish I had that wow. when I was younger and in my 20s. Like, I so wish because it's through someone else's story, through someone else sharing their mm -hmm. experience of strength, hope, um, overcoming, um, or you both might have mutual things that you don't know what to do with it, yeah. right? I don't know what yeah. to do with my codependency. Then it starts there and you do some research, get in counseling, hmm. talk to a pastor, 
um, ask for resources. Y'all, the internet, <laughs> okay? Like, it's chock full of You're resources. Right. Yeah. Every morning, I do a... Um, a codependency devotional hmm. um, through by Melody Beatty is the author, and uh, it's called um, uh, what's the name of it? It's called it's Codependent No More. Okay, but um, it's the language of letting go. Wow, is the devotional, but it every day I'm working on something, some small nugget, right. acknowledging my truth, honoring myself, yeah. setting a boundary, right. um, internal and external boundaries. Like I'm constantly working on that. So to someone who's looking for, what do I do next? It's look for resources. Mm. They are out there. So if you have identified a problem within yourself, your emotional intelligence is going up by you being able to wow. identify it and then resources can are simple as typing into the Google search engine. Come on. Like, I remember Googling, am I an alcoholic? <laughs> you right. think I'm playing? That's real. I was real. And I went through the checklist and I was like, Ooh. the mm. fact that I even had to type, am I an alcoholic? Was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what is codependency? Type it in. All kinds of books and resources wow. and podcasts out there. Mm. And part of um, your emotional intelligence is... Uh, self-actualization and the definition mm. of that is really just your ability to be able to grow mm. as an individual. So how willing are you yeah. to do the work? And are you willing to do the work to get free? Yeah. Right. Like Jesus, at, I mean, literally think about in the Bible, like it literally, uh, there, were, there are instances where the sick person was asked, do you want to get well? Mm. Because if you do, there's a way forward. Yeah. Wow. 100%. But it starts with, I think, acknowledging your weaknesses. Right. Mm. My favorite scripture of all time is um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where, he, um, where Paul is talking about that, that my, you're great. Uh, actually, you know what? Can I read it? Yeah, yes. go ahead. Because I'd love to read the passion version is actually my favorite. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. I'm going to start with 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this. Wow. How many times do we like, I don't want to do this anymore. Hmm. Why do I keep ending up in this cycle? Yeah. Wow. Why do I keep just negative self-talking myself into yes. depression and shame, right? We want out. But he answers me, my grace is always more than enough for you. Hmm. And my power finds full ex its full expression through your weakness. Wow. So good. So when, so I will celebrate my weakness for when I am weak, mm. I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted for when wow. I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side, persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger Come for on. my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Wow. Come on. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Let me say I am, my name is Irene and I'm a recovering alcoholic. Wow. Right. I will boast of my weakness so because powerful. it was the power of Christ that set me free. Yeah. And every day that I can say that out loud in my story, right. I am punching shame That's in the so face. Good. Like for real guys, like it's powerful. Right. I am saying that I am weak in this area. I'm not speaking ill over myself. Right. What I'm saying is, Lord, I'm weak here. My, I, I, 
my mental health is, is, is not doing very well. Help me identify where's the weakness at? Like, where did this start? Is it shame hmm. that I inherited that was passed down through the womb? Was it something I experienced in the world of shame? (laughs) Like, where is this coming from? God, I'm weak in this area. Now when I admit it, his grace can come in. And he can give me the strength, the wisdom, the insight to tackle it and do the work and overcome. And like literally the Bible says that we can, our minds are, like he's in the business of renewing minds. Yeah. Yeah. So... What is renewing of the mind? It's simply practicing the same thing over and over until it goes from our heart to our brain. Our brain is now convinced that this is truth. So good. So I had to practice this. I had to say, my name is Irene and I'm an alcoholic. I had to say it because shame was destroying me. I felt that if I said it out loud, I was admitting that I'm broken, I'm useless, God can't use me, there's something wrong with me. I am mm. bad. Wow. So when I began to face all of the things that were lies in my belief system, my freedom, the renewing of the mind came in me acknowledging, okay, this is not true about yeah. me because That's I'm great. fearfully and wonderfully made. That's right. He didn't make a mistake with me. Yeah. And his grace is sufficient for me. It's good. His, the, the, the giftings and callings are irrevocable of yeah. those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's like, I he's not going to take away his call from me because yeah. I'm broken. In fact, he wants to use me more in my, me admitting my brokenness. But the reality, like you said, is when we feel those lies or yeah. when, we, when we know, I mean, because you knew, you mm-hmm. knew you were an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. It's almost perpetual. The enemy's speaking to you. You take a back seat. Maybe you isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. And so for those who are maybe listening who maybe they find themselves addicted or maybe not even addicted, depressed, yeah. codependent on something. Um, can you just encourage them that they don't, they don't need to shy away from mm-hmm. being vulnerable? And this might even be the best place because you, you had a season where you did isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. Talk about what it was like to re-enter and be vul- with the first person you were vulnerable with, maybe the friend oh that you opened gosh, up to. That's so good. Yeah, because isolation actually perpetuated my disease wow. of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. It got worse as I hid. And I, as I was isolated, the enemy like was devouring me, for lack right. of a better word. Um, so when I began, I was at 38 days in rehab and realizing hmm. I'm seeing this world and through distorted lenses. Wow. Mm-hmm. And like literally, um, I'll never forget the devotion we were doing that said, you're looking at the world through the bottom of a glass. So when you look wow. through the bottom of a glass, what you're looking at it's is foggy, distorted. Yeah. It's foggy. Your loved ones are right in front of you. Hmm. People who love you mm-hmm. are around. You just might not see them. Wow. You might not realize that the person in your small group, that your pastor does care about you. You know what I mean? Like there are people on your team at church, like where you're serving that care about you. Yeah. And they want to connect with you. And so what I did was I took the vulnerable step of number one, when I was listening to everyone's story, because I didn't want to go to AA, but they made me go. And the beauty of it is that I began to hear other people's stories. And when Mm. I finally realized I identified with them, I'm like, Mm. yes, if it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. (laughs) duck. I'm Irene, and I guess I'm an alcoholic. And the whole room cheered. 
mm. because wow. they're like, oh my gosh, she's finally admitting it. Like, wow, so amazing. And <laughs> um, when I got home, I remember being on the plane and I texted my brothers and sisters and mm. said, don't tell anybody I went to rehab. I'm never going to tell anybody about mm. this. But then when I got wow. home, it was like I was embraced by people in my community that knew, like board members and different leaders at the church. Um, my close friends were just telling me how proud they were of wow. me. And I was like, hmm, I began to reframe the shame. Yeah. I'm like, so here good. I am so ashamed of the fact that I needed help. Wow. When you're sick, you go to the doctor, right? Yeah. And you go get help. I was sick. Mm. I could not mm. stop drinking. It was going to kill me. Right. Or I was going to hurt someone else and kill someone else in a car. Who knows? And so me being able to be vulnerable and say, hey, this is a problem. This is how you can support me. This is like asked for help. So all of that is me recovering from codependency, not being so worried about taking care of the church and everybody else. I began to focus on me in terms of my recovery being the most important thing. And yeah. I needed people to help me do that. So just right. being vulnerable and saying, hey, look, I can't go out to eat in a restaurant for a while because I can't see alcohol. Right. Wow. Like I had to do that. I had to put set boundaries yeah. right. for myself. Um, you know, asking for help. Did I answer your question? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, and I'm curious about, because you mentioned at the beginning, this was like a midlife crisis. I had mm -hmm. all this anxiety and trauma that was undealt with. It happened mm -hmm. when I was a kid, a young adult. For those listening today who haven't hit that midlife crisis or don't feel like they're struggling with codependency yet, but do need to manage mm -hmm. some things right. in the past, what advice would you have for them? Okay. Um, I would say... Um, so Peter Scarezzo wrote a book called yes. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Okay. And the concept in that is you cannot be spiritually mature without being emotionally healthy. Interesting. Amazing. Yes. So you have to take care of your emotional world if you want to truly be spiritually mature. What, what does that look faith. like? Well, for these young adults, 20, 25, mm -hmm. 29 what does that look like to be emotionally mature? Because I'm scrolling on my phone. I'm ignoring my emotions. <laughs> gotcha. You're numbing out, yeah. right? Like we all do. Who wants to touch pain? Nobody. Right. Yeah. Right? So you have to make the decision that I'm going to maybe boundaries for an hour of time while I'm with a counselor. Hmm. I'm going to talk about the past. Hmm. I'm going to begin to unpack it. So picture you have backpacks on, right? You have backpacks on with 100 pounds each right? You're 20 years <laughs> old. Those hundred, that hundred pounds is abuse in your childhood. Hmm. Could be promiscuity. It could be um, abuse from a teacher, verbal abuse or person in power in your life, hmm. right? Um, it could be you experienced death of a loved one. Just, I hate to say it, but painful, normal life occurs. Yeah. I hate right. that it's normal, but we all have this baggage, right? So then we decide we're going to get married. Hmm. <laughs> And we're, we are now connected to someone else who has their own backpack. Wow. Then we, so now I'm, I'll add another 10 pound block as my marriage. I'll add another 10 pound block for that kid that I have, right? right. I'm not offloading anything. Hmm. And then I took on ministry responsibilities. It's getting heavier. I'm just, it's getting heavy. I fell on my face. So wow. I think that for a young adult, being able to realize that you're supposed to unpack that sucker. Yeah. That's great. Periodically throughout yes. the course of your life. 
like take out, like take the time to go to counseling, be in a small group. It's amazing. When you verbalize something, you release it, you've unpacked right. it. Some things take a little more time. I had to do EMDR, which is mm-hmm. a form of trauma treatment right, right. to help my brain forget the trauma. So I'm not living in fight, flight or freeze all the time, right. but living in my present. So that took a little bit more work. Yeah more resources, might take medication. For me, my brain is altered from the, 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 the PTSD, so from the trauma. So my brain does not produce enough of a certain chemical that helps me handle my stress. Wow. And feel happy. Right. So I, I am proudly on Zoloft, <laughs> um, an antidepressant that helps me produce that chemical so that I don't need a substance right. or reach to something unhealthy yeah. to cope, whether it's food or whatever. I don't need that do- that dopamine release in those large quantities because I, I'm, I'm giving my brain what it needs right. on That's a good. daily basis. That's amazing. So emotional health, like literally and the whole spiritual health thing, it's just that ability to be able to work on yourself. And um, I forgot where I was going. No, but no, it was great. great. <laughs> okay, cool. It was great. I mean, right. you, you've really set up today exactly what I think will help so many of us, myself included, that we all have a past. Mm-hmm. And sadly, that the reality is that past has a trauma, yeah, whether right. it's big or small, mm-hmm. and we've, we're carrying that baggage. And so the first mm-hmm. thing we need to do is acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. The second yeah. thing we need to do is find somebody, whether it's a small group at young adults, small group Absolutely. at church, uh, a trusted counselor, mm-hmm. and then talk with them. And that person will really help us take the right step in, in the direction that we need to go. Um, I know we've had such a great conversation, but for, for time's sake, one more thing. Just sure. if you're you're looking at a 26-year-old young adult who they're saying, I, I just, I need a, the best piece of advice you have. What's that one piece of advice? You only can give them one. Only one. Oh, okay. So what I immediately comes to my mind is what I wish I would have known yeah. in my 20s is that I matter. Mm. Like I matter to God, who I am matters more to God than what I do for him. That's so good. So that means caring and honoring Irene. Right. So whoever you are out there, honor yourself, care for yourself, work out, eat healthy, take care of your temple, take care of your brain by going to counseling, by resting and taking a Sabbath, having recreation in your life. But we never arrive, so perfection is just not a thing, mm. right? So um, it, I have a, a saying that if you're not working on your recovery, you're working on relapse. Wow. If you're not working on your that's recovery, so you're working on relapse. So if that's negative self-talk and you're not in counseling and you're not, you don't have an accountability partner, you're going to relapse wow. if you're not working on it on a daily basis. So. Yeah. What I wish Irene at 26 would have known is honor yourself. And that Mm. means get help for your PTSD, get help for your trauma, get honest, Amazing. reach out for help. It's the bravest thing, scariest thing you'll ever do, but the bravest thing. It's really good. And the freedom on the other side of acknowledging your weakness and doing the work is so beautiful. That's great. It's so worth it. Like, my life is not perfect. I just handle the same old stressors completely differently. Wow. Right. The deaths are still happening. Betrayals are still happening. Um, transition is still happening in my life. Right. 
but I deal with it differently now. I honor myself. I allow myself to cry, feel sad. So good. Express my anger in moderation. Right. So, Irene, if there's something I would tell myself, like if, if, if you're feeling like something is out of moderation in your life mm-hmm. and it's becoming unmanageable, that would be a good time hmm. to reach out for help before right. you end up yes. like me in rehab because <laughs> I ignored all the warning right. signs. That's so good. So I wish I had honored myself and taken care of I love that honor ourselves. Thank you, Pastor Irene, for Thank you so having much. this conversation, being just so vulnerable with your story. I know it's going to bring so much freedom already in my life. I'm like, yeah, there's some steps I need to take to not relapse, but but work yeah. towards things. Um, but how can our community stay connected to you? Like, how sure. can we follow you on social media? Be connected sure. to your life. So, um, my Instagram handle is at Irene Rollins. Super Click easy. Click the follow button. <laughs> <laughs> my husband is a fun one to follow. Yes. At I am Jimmy Rollins, and then our new marriage ministry. Okay. If you're interested in really fueling your relationship and learning from Jimmy and I's mistakes, um, you can follow us at at Marriage Equation. Uh, on, um, That's awesome. on social media or check out our website at two equals one.com. Great. Well, thank you again for this conversation. I feel like we're going to need a part two Absolutely. later down the road. <laughs> yes. But I'm game. Thank you so much. I'm game. We appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Honored I mean, also, to be here. We love you. And uh, we're all working on this journey towards emotional health and spirituality. And so um, we're praying for you and we can't wait to see you on Thursday. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Don't forget to tune in Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. on our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.